This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Western Hunting Podcast. In this episode, I bring back Dylan Dowson from Onyx. Uh, we don't really talk a ton about Onyx until later on when discussing some of the newer features, but uh, he had another incredible year, and so this is just all elk hunting, little deer hunting, just everything that he has been doing lately in the field and kind of his style, what's allowed him to find some success. So great episode with him. Uh, and if you don't know much about Onyx, you're living under a rock. So make sure you get on over and check out that. Uh, definitely changes the whole attitude and focus and what you're doing while you're out hunting. Uh, helps things out quite a bit. So enjoy, and thanks for listening. All right, Dylan, thanks for jumping on the Western Hunting Good podcast. Uh, if not filling with familiar with dylan dowson uh you've been on quite a few times and it's great to catch up with you again uh it's been something i was thinking about in the last half hour before we jumped on is it's really kind of cool to watch from a distance your career with onyx and what you've been doing um probably started doing a little more grunt work and in the beginning and now you're off doing a lot of fun stuff kind of looks like (laughs) yeah no meet cool people hunt with cool people uh get some awesome experiences so it's fun to watch yeah no i appreciate that honestly and thanks for having me on again it's always good to to catch up as you said um yeah man looking at it now my i've kind of got my dream dream job really um didn't start out that way by any means but uh i started out a little over eight and a half years ago now um crazy when i say that out loud time flies but um, started out working in customer service and literally in the winters would shovel, uh, the sidewalks to, to get enough hours type deal. So, um, started out there and it was a much different company eight years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, it was still a very successful, um, popular, you know, Onyx, Onyx was, a uh, kind of a household name at the time, but now it's, you're hard pressed as you know, to talk to folks who don't use it. So, a lot has changed in in that time in that last eight years and uh today yeah if i really sit back and look at it um if i were to describe eight years ago kind of a dream job situation i i'm pretty much living it right now so it's pretty cool that's awesome but it you know what's funny is uh when you people are always concerned about when you make your passion your work you're gonna you're gonna kind of mess things up but i have i have my my passion is my work. It's a, it's the same thing. And yep. I took a break from the hunting season or from November. We don't do a lot of our work hunts and I jumped on one the other day and I was excited to do it. I probably, I told my boss today, I think I spent way too much time with this person from sunrise to sunset, but I, <laughs> to get the best return on a, our investment, but I, I had just a riot with my hunter. I had, we had fun. We had no, no, filled tag success but other amazing successes and um when your work is is your passion as well it's a wonderful wonderful thing and and i can't get enough yeah can't get it i uh i was slightly concerned about it um not right away when i first started but i've always kind of told myself and i still hold to this the day that working in the industry that i'm passionate about just you know hunting in general 
makes me less passionate or less excited to go hunting. Like if it feels more like a job than hunting, I will quit my job on the spot and go do something else. And man, eight and a half to, you know, closer to nine years in now, like I do not, I've not once felt like that. Um, so I, you know, I do keep that in the back of my mind. If someday hunting becomes work, right. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, it's time to reassess careers, but, uh, I don't foresee that happening. It hasn't happened in eight years. So I can't imagine I'm going to wake up tomorrow and all of a sudden feel like hunting is work. Yeah. Uh, I don't think I've ever asked you this. Uh, what was your education in? Did you do something post high school? What, what'd you, what'd you get a degree in? So I, I just went, uh, I got a year certificate is all I knew I wanted to go to college. I didn't know what I wanted to go for. So I couldn't justify. I'm, I am happy with myself that I had the the foresight to not just go when I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I know a lot of folks, family members, friends that have a four, six, eight year degree and aren't using what they went. So I do appreciate, you know, looking back, I'm, I'm happy I didn't do that, but I did go get a year certificate in, uh, uh, curated design. So a little bit of GIS work, a little bit of CAD, um, drawing and so that, you know, probably helped get my foot in the door, man, honestly, it was timing for, for me with this company and with Onyx, um, timing and the ability to, you know, answer phone calls. And I was a customer. I am a customer. So at the time, you know, I could speak to our customers and I could help them through issues and problems and questions because I was a customer. I didn't really have, you know, a, an education or degree, if you will, to do what I, what I was doing, didn't really necessarily need one then. And then I've just kind of slowly transitioned um, into the marketing side and, you know, a lot of it self-taught. I work with a lot of really, really intelligent people and, uh, pick up some stuff from them, obviously. So it, sure. uh, it worked out for me for sure. Yeah. Um, so I want to dive into, uh, that's really kind of cool story. And the, I love how timing of that is, is such a important thing. Like I'm not using my biology degree, but I am. And yep. I am no longer a certified, actually let my 10 year sort of teaching certification in South Dakota. And I think in Colorado now expire, but I work so hard for those things and in a master's program, but now I would never not do those sorts of things because of what it led to. It was so important for getting from one step to the next. It's a, that time was required that that experience was required and everybody's stories is, is a little different. It's always fun to hear people's stories and where they, where they get to that, that are successful. You are successful. You have a, a wonderful career, um, a, a awesome family and uh, you're getting out and doing some cool things. So, and that's what I want to talk about today. I, I sent you a message, text, whatever it was back in September. Um, you shot another stud bull and people are right now. It's, on the brink of December, uh, we're thinking about those late season hunts. Um, some things still happening. I know Idaho is a big thing today. I think we got the, the, the internet battle yep. draw going on today. Uh, I've never messed around with that and doesn't sound like I have the computer time to sit there to <laughs> play and, <laughs> and try and draw one of those tags. And that's not in the cards, but, um, we're wrapping things up for the year for the most part. And I just wanted to share some of these stories and, and hear kind of what you've, what you experienced in this last year and, and maybe some, some common themes between this year's bull, your, uh, 2021 bull. And I think your 2020 bull, I mean, they were, you shot three, they almost look identical sort of, but nice, just beautiful six point bulls beautiful six point bulls. I say that more than once for a reason. Um, and if you want to see these, see these bulls, uh, your uh, social Dylan dot Hunter dot Dowson, uh, D O W S O N on Instagram. Cause that's what I'm looking at right now. But there's some, the, you did mentioned once, I think to me that you got lucky on one, but you shot three stud bulls and you're, you're consistently shooting some, some elk there's something there that you've got figured out because um, you're showing some success, really awesome success and it's exciting and fun to watch. So uh, tell us about this year's hunt, this elk hunt. What, what the heck happened? What'd you do? What, how'd it go down? 
Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I appreciate the words. And I, I say this to everybody and I, I probably, I mean it, who knows, I might shoot another nice bowl next year, but a couple of people have been like, man, you've been killing some nice bowls. It's like, yeah, wait till next year when I shoot that raghorn that walks by and stops broadside. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> honestly, at, at least two of them, they're kind of just been the bulls that we're talking, honestly, and uh, not to take away anything from it, but I do want to, you know, I'm not really a trophy hunter, especially when it comes to archery and elk, right? Um, so some of the things like that I have been doing, obviously, are lending itself to to be successful on like these particular herd bulls. And that's what we'll get into in a second, I'm sure. But like for archery elk season, I'm I'm pretty much opportunistic. Um, you know, I passed up a few bulls here or there being as early in the hunt and, you know, a super small five point. Um, but at the end of the day, like we, like my family, we eat elk. I haven't bought, you know, outside of like a, you know, pork or whatever here or there, but we haven't, we don't go to the store to buy meat. So like we eat elk. And if I don't shoot an elk, um, we're going to have to go to the store and buy some meat and that's totally fine. Right. But, um, at the end of the day, I'm a little bit pickier when it comes to deer. And it's like, man, is that a five-year-old deer? Is that a four-year-old deer? Is that deer this score? Is he that? With elk, uh, far less picky. So for the last three years, I'll say it again, I've kind of got lucky with the bulls that uh, that I've gotten. But um, to be honest, I've been hunting a little bit more open country. So live in Montana. I'm from eastern Montana. I live in western Montana now. Um, I've hunted every... I don't want to say every part of Montana, it's a very big state, but I've hunted a lot of different areas of Montana from the Western super uh, dark, deep timber where you got to call them into 15 yards to be able to even see them. And then I've hunted, you know, central Montana where you can sit up high with a spotting scope and glass bulls for, you know, two and a half miles um, and everything in between. But I've been kind of hunting that more open country the last few years. The bulls generally are, you know, better. The, the herd, herds are a little bit stronger the bulls are a little bit bigger over there um generally right like there's oh, there's mm-hmm. some giant bulls in the mountains and the timber but it just seems like you're dealing with more 270 280 satellite bulls instead of 280 herd bulls um and so yeah man just kind of figured out a new area it's been super fun to learn and especially now like four or five years into it it's like if i hear a bull like I know exactly where that bull is, or I know with, yeah. I know that drainage bulls in. I've been there, right? I really I do enjoy hunting net like brand new property that I've never been to, brand new land. Um, it's exciting. I love that learning process, but there is also something about again hearing a bugle in the dark and having a very good idea of where that bull is, maybe what what they're doing, you know where you're making that stock in the dark and you're like, I've been here. I've literally walked up this drainage before. So I know what I can kind of get away with and not get away with. And I think that's aided to a lot of my, my recent success. Um, just having a really good understanding of not only the elk in the area, kind of what to expect, what their typical behavior habits are, but, but the terrain mostly um, good amb- ambush points, whatever. Cause again, it's, it's more open country. So it is callable, but I also hunt solo a lot. Like I'm there with uh, my dad and my uncle, but I would say 80 to 90% of the time I'm by myself when actual hunting. Um, so it's, it's, it's tough to call bulls in open country by yourself. Like I've done it basically having to put yourself in a situation where like that bull has to 100% commit on like a knife ridge or something. So maybe that bull's on the left side of a knife ridge and I'm just on the right and I'm cow calling and that bull has to commit and come around. Um, but there's times where I'm calling and I look around and there's not a tree within, you know, 50 yards of me. So we've also had that happen where you call bulls in and everything's fine until you go to stop them and they, you know, everything blows up real quickly. So honestly, lately, the past few years, man, I do not call to those bulls. Like I call to locate um, there's situations where I will pull it out. I always have calls with me. I never am like, I'm by no means I'm never calling. Right. That's not, yeah. not what I'm saying, but, uh, particularly the last two years, uh, those herd bulls, I did not make a single peep to. And so I really think with those bigger bulls, um, what I'm coming to gather is if you can get away with not calling at all, 
Like if you can shoot that bull without any cattle, any bull in that herd, having any idea that there is a presence of, you know, whether they think you're an elk or whatever it is, if you can do it completely silently, if you can slip in there and, and shoot them like that, that is by far the best way. I really think both this year's bull and then last year's bull, had I have called to them, maybe I, but I, I do not believe that I probably would have shot either one of those bulls. Yeah. Um, the couple big takeaways I'm taking from here is that when you learn a piece of ground by interacting with it is really what you're doing. You're interacting with it. You're, um, no doubt. I'm sure your, your e-scouting game is, is stellar. Um, but you can't interact with animals doing that. You can't get to see how they react when you are at the bottom of a drain versus the top and where, where that wind consistently is going to be going or whatever. Um, you can't see that. And thankfully we can't because I would take away hunting, uh, the, the whole part of being on that ground, being on the ground and getting to know where these things are at, you're, you're learning. So that's a huge thing. Just get an idea of what's going on. And, um, I did very little scouting this year for a mule deer tag that I really wish I, I could have put some more time in, but I had one day I went out and I had all these spots marked and it was great. I had a, a game plan in my head a route. It was awesome. But the one thing I didn't know is where are these deer? And it was cool to see going in that one day I found where the deer were at, but then the next, when it was the actual season, went in there, found them back in those same spots. And I just ruled out a whole day of jacking around with my rifle when I already knew that information. So if you're spending mm-hmm. season after season and and you've got those spots, I, I'm just like you. I love to hunt solo. I love to to go into new areas as well. But, man, I keep getting pulled back to those same spots that I know well. And I know I can, can find some success and I know how to interact with those elk or those deer. So I, I, I get that and I like it. So, um, yeah, I, I almost look at for me, I don't even know why this isn't planned by any, any reasons, but the more I think about it and you just saying that I almost look at in-states hunt, I tend to go to areas I know and I'm familiar with, like, for example, this elk situation out-of-state hunts is kind of where I get my my fix of brand new areas I've never been to that excitement of like you're rolling in the dark and you wake up and you're like I have no idea what it looks like around me um you know and learn as you go and it is a struggle fest for a few days at least I remember we went to Colorado last year for mule deer and uh had no idea what we were getting into and never you know I've never hunted Colorado had never been in that particular area yeah e-scouted a ton and had a really good idea of what we were going to get into elevation wise and just like glassing points. And I felt solid with a plan going into it. But again, you get there in the dark and you set up a wall tent and then you wake up in the morning, you look outside and you're like, Oh, this is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's, it's super exciting. And I really, I think for me and in, anyways, there's a, a spot for both and the out of state hunts is kind of where I scratch that itch and in state hunts. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely hunt different areas in state, but I fully intend to go back and hunt that same herd that I shot my bull out of this year. And hopefully there's another big herd bull in there and uh, I can hunt that bull in the same drainage next year because I can go there, you know, whenever I get there and listen for bugles at night and hear a couple bulls and be like, I know where that elk is right now. Generally, I know where that elk is and I've got a plan for the morning. You're just starting off so much farther ahead. Um, it's fun so to have that for confidence. The, yeah. Fun, fun to have that confidence that you're, you're not it, it, and easier to keep your, your motivations high instead of wanting to, I'm a very positive hunter. I, I hate being around mm-hmm. negative hunters. I'm a very positive hunter Same. and, and I'm going to keep staying on the entire time. Everything is switched on. It can happen at any moment. Um, yep. and I want to be positive through that whole process. And, and you just never know what, what, yeah, and, and you can have that confidence when you know that area. Totally. And it, it, you know, by, by knowing the area, it doesn't make it easy. I mean, I shot my bull this year on the very last morning of the hunt. And if you would have asked me three days before, or even two days before, like, 
I always like to be confident as well. But if you would have asked me two days before if I thought I was going to fill a tag, especially on a bowl like that, oh yeah, I'd have put my money on it. Like it was, it was tough. Uh, the elk were super nomadic. They were like there one day, gone the next, and just like seeing different bowls, which was cool. Um, it was just a, it was a tough year. And every year I go, it's funny because I go into elk season like almost too confident. I'm like, I've done this before, right? I've killed bulls yep. before. I know what I'm doing. Where it's gonna be another year of a full freezer and a nice bowl or a bowl. Um, and then very, very quickly into the hunt, like a day or two into the hunt, you're like, I don't know why I'm so confident. It elk hunting with a bow to me, like in you know, I've been successful quite a bit, but every time I do it, I'm always humbled. And I think that's why I really, really get drawn to it is you can go in there confidently and be like, I've shot bulls for the last, you know, whatever years. And uh, I, it's just going to be the same year or the same thing the next year. And then a day into the hunt, you're like, this seems impossible. Like elk hunting with a bow to me, it's like impossible until the one situation works out where it all works perfectly. But so many Definitely. times I'm like, this is impossible. And it's like, well, no, I've done it several times. It's not impossible, but I don't know. It just, it humbles me, especially when you go into the season with like, you know, a little bit of a cockiness, I guess. Uh, that's, that's what's so cool about it to me. And then the year before, um, I shot that bull very first morning. Um, and again, that, that one really particularly helped that I had been at least in the area because I was getting out of my pickup before probably 45 minutes to an hour before daylight and a bull bugled like 400 yards from my pickup, maybe like close, close. And, uh, I was like, Oh, okay. So, I, I used, I had been there, so I kind of knew generally where they were, but honestly, the best thing that I used um, for that bowl was I pulled out the app and it was pitch black. I didn't really want to use a headlamp, not even, I think I had a red light. I used a little bit, but um, didn't really want to shine the headlamp or anything, but I was using the app to navigate in the dark. So like I would zoom in really close and that bowl would bugle and I would drop a waypoint where I thought he was based on how far based on the topography, whatever. So every time he'd bugle, I would drop, I would edit that waypoint and just move it to where I think he was. Um, and I basically stocked that bull in the pitch dark using the app. So I knew where I was on the map that like, there was like a one, one particular time. I knew that there was like a rise and then a big flat grass opening. And then it really dropped off on the backside. And I knew they like to bed in there sometimes um, it's like an old burn and fairly steep and they can get away from the sun. And so he was bugling, bugling, bugling. Finally, he bugled farther and then he bugled again where it really sounded farther. But I knew it wasn't. I knew they just dropped off that lip finally. So when they did that, I basically it was a risk. And that's the other thing, too, with these these bigger bulls, like every one of them that I've killed, like it's by been by taking a risk. I've always been out of my comfort zone. Um, it's like, man, I shouldn't get away with doing this, but I have to do this to be able to kill that bull. So I was like, if all the elk are off of that flat and off the, like dropped off the other side, I'll be fine to cross that opening. If not, I'm going to walk straight into a herd of elk in the dark and blow it all up. And you know, yeah. there goes the morning. Um, and this is this, but year's also bull. that was, this one's last oh, year's bull. last year. Okay. Um, so very, very first morning. And, uh, I was like, but if I can get to that other side, it's going to be, you know, shooting light in the next 15 minutes. If I can be there at shooting light, I think I'll have a really good chance at killing that bull. So again, it was, it was a, it was a risk. And I felt really, I felt like I shouldn't be walking across that opening in the dark right into where the herd of elk just was. Mm -hmm. But I was like, if I can get away with it, I'll be in a great spot. And I got away with it and I shot that bull. I think it was like six minutes into legal light. Hmm. Like it was, I can't remember exactly what time, but it was, you know, legal light at six or seven minutes later and uh, snuck over. He was feeding and, and shot that bull. So this bull this year, kind of the same thing, not same in, in that regard, but same in the sense that I got away with more than I should have. I was more aggressive than what I felt comfortable being. Um I got, so it was super windy that day, which actually worked out to my favor because the day before I got on the same herd, but uh, the wind just kept switching. I got to like 50 yards and felt really good. And then the wind switched never enough that like the whole herd smelled me and blew out of there. 
but enough that I think like a cow here or a calf or something would get a whiff and be like, ah, I don't know about this and move four or 500 yards. Um, so anyways, last morning of the hunt. And again, this is last year's bull. I, I got up to a point where I usually glass at first light and then listen. And I got there like 45 minutes before uh, shooting light just to, just to listen. Well, I got up there and the wind was ripping like 30 miles an hour. And I was like, I'm not going to be able to hear anything if unless it's you know right on top of me so i just kind of slowly worked my way in the dark in the direction that i'd found them the night before i kind of bumped them the night before but again they weren't like blown out of the country they just knew something wasn't right Mm -hmm. um so i slowly made my way over there and i started hearing super faint bugles and so i just kept getting closer and closer and i got to a point where there's two bulls, two main bulls that were bugling. I could tell there was kind of two herds that had come together. Anytime that I've found two herds close, like they're very talkative. So it's, you know, you're dealing with more elk, more eyes, more noses. But sure. if there's two herd bulls in the same area, like they're going to be talking all day. So two, I could tell that it was two herd bulls, just kind of how they were bugling at each other and how fired up they were. And I got to a point where I felt like I was in a really good spot in between them and where I thought that they would bed. Well, I heard them and not that nothing really changed for probably an hour. And uh, so finally I just decided to go at them. Cause I was like, if they're not going to come past me, I got it. I have to make a move. So I get up there, saw a few cows and calves, never saw the bulls. Um, but again, they were screaming and I, I had seen the bulls the day before. So I knew that there was probably the two, herd bulls I had seen before the bull I killed and then another probably 320 to 330 type bull um from from what I saw the day before so both really nice bulls and uh basically I got up there got you know 80 to 100 yards and still sat there nothing nothing some cows would come out in the opening go back in in the the clump of trees and I was like if I can skirt around and keep the wind right I should be able to get right up on that bull and so Again, it's open country. So every time you move and you're that close to elk, particularly two herds, it's nerve wracking. Um, I grabbed my bow and I started to make a loop around and I was caught literally in the wide open with my pants down. Like I looked up and three cows were staring at me at like 40 yards. Like I'm in the wide open. There's nothing around me. Like I'm busted. Right. And uh, I remember just looking up and seeing them and I like just froze, tried not to move a muscle, like don't even blink type situation. And man, it, it felt like it took a long time. They obviously they knew something was up, but I think because the wind was so good and because I, I stayed as still as possible for, I don't know, it was two to three minutes probably where I just stood there frozen. Um, they slowly kind of worked their way back into the herd and didn't full out bust. So I was like, okay, I got away with one there but they're alert. Like they knew something was up and I say 40, it was probably more like 60 to 80 yards. You know, they weren't right on top of me, but it was, it was a, Oh no moment that's, for sure. That's and close so, enough. They're going to pick up most close. movement if they yeah. see it. And so I just froze. And uh, when they went back, like I, I had to get like 10 more yards and I was down in a cut to where nothing could see me. And I bet it took me, you know, 12, 15 minutes to get that 10 yards. Cause elk would kind of come out and then come back in they were just feeding, but I was like, they're for sure going to pick up movement if I just go, right? So it took a very long time, super slow to get over there. Once I did, I made a loop around and uh, I was creeping up the backside of this knob and the bull was bugling nonstop right on the other side. So I was like, I know he's within bow range, but I still hadn't seen him. I uh, didn't really know how far he was going to be. Knocked an arrow, started creeping up over the top and again had to be out of the trees and same thing i looked to my right and what there was there was a fence line um so there's it was a private chunk and then all blm where these elk were they jumped the fence and they were bedded on on public but there's also a fence line down that blm like in the middle of the blm separating two different spots of public uh-huh. and there was three calves that were having a hard time getting through the fence like calves do right you know the elk Bulls, cows come up, just jump the fence while the calves sometimes would go up and down the fence to find a good spot. So they were doing that. They were coming up and down the fence line to find a good spot to cross to get back in with their herd. And uh, same thing, I looked over and these ones were 
closer. And luckily they were calves. Didn't quite know what was going on, but uh, I mean, they pinned me in the wide open and they caught me moving pretty good. And so I kind of froze for a second and they, they started like kind of mewing a lot and like kind of barking, but not really like a full elk bark and ran straight back down the fence toward where the herd was. I was like, okay, I, it's about to blow up probably. And I need to be up top when it does. So I, again, talking about pushing the limits to not being comfortable with, with this, like I literally just ran to the top of the hill at that point. I only had 15, 20 yards to go, but I was creeping up, trying not to make any noise, like super slow to like running to the top of the hill. Cause it's like, once those calves get in there, everything's going to like, I, I just felt like it was going to blow up. Um, and if I wasn't up there, I wasn't going to see him, wasn't going to get a shot. So I get to the top of the hill and there's a big pine tree. So I, I got on my knees so I could see underneath it. And there's a cow in the opening. So I ranged her right away. She's at 60. It's like, okay, as soon as I range her, the herd bull chuckles. And so he's like down a little bit closer into the left of her, but there's a ton of trees there. So I looked through the trees um, and all I could see was there was like a, I say basketball size, but probably more like, you know, beach ball type size um, opening in between all the trees. And it's literally right behind this bull shoulder. Like if I send an arrow through there, I'm either hitting limbs or like if it hits the elk, it's lungs. Like that's all I can see. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was the bull because he was chuckling. So I could see, like I, I pinpointed the sound, but I could also see his, his like his chest chuckling yeah. and then I think I caught like a flash of his main beam or something and so I was like man that bulls usually I'm I'm super methodical like I always range stuff when I shoot unless I know it's like inside 30 but that cow was on alert every elk kind of knew something was up those calves were freaking out I was like that bull's 10 yards closer than that cow so I dialed my my sight to 50 and drew and I remember as I was drawing drawing I, I remember thinking about okay the arc of the arrow not hitting the branches in between me and him because there was a yeah. big you know there's a, again a, a beach ball size opening through all these trees but there's trees from five yards all the way to 50 and so I was thinking about it I'm like hey where can I make this shot should I shoot like is this a is this a good shot and I remember holding kind of on the bottom end of of him uh like kind of bottom third and I felt really confident in it. And so I just squeezed the shot. And at this time, like literally up until this point, again, I'd seen the bulls the day prior. So I knew kind of the two herd bulls in the area. I hadn't seen what I hadn't seen this bull. So talk about kind of luck of shooting by yeah. far the better of the two or just any. Yeah. And I would have been happy, like, had I have shot a, a you know, whatever, a small, even if it was a raghorn, I would have been happy. But like, had I have shot a smaller satellite bull that happened to be there and chuckling, still would have been absolutely stoked last day of my hunt. Um, the whole situation, the whole morning was just epic. Uh, one of those mornings you dream of, but you know, again, I had not seen this bull. And so I shot and I watched the arrow. Um, I'm shooting light at Knox, which I started last year. And I absolutely love it. Cause I know the last two bulls that I've shot, I've known exactly where I hit them and felt super confident. Everything else. It's like you shoot, without lighted knocks and you're like i, I think it was good Answers like, a lot or of it questions. was good in your mind. yeah like or it was good in your mind right away and then like you know 30 seconds later you're like ah, was it good yeah like what was that like what did i actually see yeah. so um basically i watched that knock go all like right through that opening right behind his shoulder and he busted out um i mean i i had time to make a few quick cow calls and like he was crashed and dead and I don't know, six seconds. Like he, he died wow. right away. Um, and, did it hit, and even did it then, hit low, did it? No, it hit kind of, it hit like center, center, mid body. Um, and so again, I think he was 50. I think he might've been a little bit closer actually than what I had thought, but um, it's tough. Cause then you range after it's like, well, was he standing on the front of that on the back of that? You, you know? Yeah. So I'm guessing he was a little bit closer and I, I hit him a touch high, but it was, it was perfect. Yeah. And, uh, even then, you know, I watched him crash and it was just like, it was one of those mornings, man. It's, it's tough to be like, I wonder if I'm going to have that experience again. Cause like he went up and crashed, 
the elk kind of blew up, but they didn't really know what was happening. The other herd bull kept screaming his face off like 50, 60 yards from me. Um, satellite bulls, a couple satellite bulls ran up. I've got this really cool clip on my phone where I videoed right after my bull crashed. I, I pulled out my phone and I videoed and another, he was really young, but a nice six point, like he's going to be a really big bull ran up and stopped. So on the top of uh, my video, you can see my bull like had literally just expired laying there. And then below him, a, a younger nice mm. six point runs up and stops right below him, like looks around and then, you know, kind of trots up into the herd. And so it was just cool. Like, you know, I sat there and watched elk be elk for 15 minutes after I shot that bull, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah. You sometimes, uh, just cause it, there's a deer or an elk running somewhere from, you think it's, it's done or you're, you're screwed, but sometimes you just, when you sit back and watch deer and elk, there's for no reason that they just take off and run here, run there. They do this just a, mm-hmm. a crazy movement. So you're not, you weren't busted <laughs> you're not always busted from just a, a little bit of motion. And I think that's coming back to taking your risks where there is disturbance in the woods and, and it's, they, they elk knew that there was something there, but like, Oh, it's just another, they got okay with it. It was worth the risk. Yeah. And um, I think that's, that's what makes elk hunting so cool is being able to, uh, if they, if they were as spooky as like a white tail and farm, <laughs> I think, I think that'd different. be, that'd be a different game, you can, but you can get away with a lot. And that's what I tell people. And like my dad too, you know, I think a lot of the things that go through my head is like, well, if I don't do this, I'm not going to kill him. So what, what, like, what's the difference? Like yeah. if I got busted and then just stayed there and not tried to push in, it's like, well, I'm not going to kill him this way. I don't think like, yeah, he could for whatever reason come walk by you, but it's like, yeah. if I don't get up, I'm not going to kill him. So I might as well do it. I'd rather do it and potentially blow things up, especially on the last day. Right. Sure. Then sit back and wait for something to happen. Um, I'd rather make something happen and screw things up knowing that I tried to do what I could do. And, you know, I think back to, man, there's so many situations I wish that I had back when I was younger or just didn't know as much. We're like a bull standing there and you're, you're sitting there and you're like, man, if I draw, that bull's going to see me draw. It's like, well, if I also, if you don't draw, you can't shoot him. So what's worse? I understand, like, don't be don't be crazy with it. And if you can get a, if you can wait until that bull's in a position to where he can't see you draw, whatever. But if he's in the wide open and you have to draw to make a shot, it's like I'm not like when I was younger, I, I probably wouldn't draw. Right. Because I would wait for the perfect situation. Sometimes the perfect situations don't happen. And at the end of the day, they are elk. Like you said, they're not whitetail. If a whitetail's kind of looking you down and you draw your bow, might not end up so well for you. But uh, a rotted up bull who came in looking for a cow, if you slowly draw your bow and raise it up, like there's a chance you're going to get away with that. So you're not going to kill him if you don't draw your bow. And that's kind of how I've uh, how I've approached the last few seasons. And, you know, I've gotten away with more than I feel like I should have, but I also have a couple of really nice bulls to show for it. So yeah, I don't know. I could do that same thing next year and then blow everything up and be like, man, if I only I was patient and you know <laughs> didn't go running into the herd like an idiot, I would would have killed him. Yeah, and by moving or going with that approach, that's what's going to really get that heart thumping when you when you're going through some serious risk. Uh, that it's that's where that adrenaline starts going and the excitement and the fun begins for sure with, is this right? Is this right? I don't know. And you're just nervous. I get nervous. I just get so nervous with when you're making moves like that, or you're, you're getting in a little closer and thinking, I don't know if this is right, but I, I got to get in there. I got to get in there. I get nervous and thinking about it, but I also like kind of like, don't really think about it because it's like, you're, you're more for me anyways, I get more nervous and I haven't shot a bull this way, but like sitting on water or something and letting everything play out. Like if a bull bull started coming in, I get more nervous there because I get in my head and I start thinking, thinking, right. thinking, because right. you have a lot of time to do. I feel like for me, like the running gun and pushing the limits, I'm all, I'm kind of like more on autopilot and just like doing whatever I feel is right at the time. And I have less time to like think through the consequences or like, allow oh, myself right. to get nervous and, right and so like again if i'm you know i've sat out of water many times and i've 
that's a whole nother story. There's, I should have killed a big bull on water, but I screwed up and I, I stood up that second that he was coming in. But, um, literally if I'm sitting there, I, it allows my mind to like think more. And then I think I get more nervous that way, but every, you know, everybody's, everybody's totally different when it comes to that. And that's, what's cool about it. And if you were to, um, uh, be hunting with another person, it's that same thing where you can really overanalyze, talk too much through it. And I struggle with that sometimes too. And I, that I do, I do enjoy that autopilot where you're just going in and it just happens. However, it's, it's all game planning happens up here. It's, uh, I feel like obviously in certain situations, it's really nice to have a caller be a caller. Like we've, we've killed bulls that way and especially Western Montana. Um, but for this type of hunting that kind of running gun and be aggressive, it, I think I am a lot more successful being solo and it sounds strange. Like, Oh, I don't want any help. It's not that like having a caller or something is absolutely crucial in some situations, but I really think it's easier to be solo when you're making quick decisions because like if you and I are hunting and we're doing that same situation, unless you and I are on the exact same page, I'm going to be like, man, does he want me to sit back and call? Should I call yeah. this bull in for him? Yeah. Uh, is he going to like think I'm an idiot for running up there the last 30 yards? Like, you know, you, you don't want to screw it up for your hunting partner, yeah. partner either. Where it's like, if I screw it up for me, like I chose to make that decision, like, I'm fine with that. I might be mad or upset with myself, but if I screw it up for you and we've hunted all week and this is our one good opportunity, finally that we've gotten like, then I'm going to be a lot more hesitant to make those decisions. So um, yeah, it's an interesting, interesting thing for sure. Yep. I'm right there with you. Uh, I had that yesterday on a hunt that just was, it was great, but it had a, had that touch of frustration of, you need to be half as loud when you're stalking a mule deer on not high wind. You need to be half as loud and move half as fast. <laughs> just... yep. No, I think that all the time. And I, you know, I just was deer hunting with my wife and she shot a great buck and, uh, you know, just little things and same situation where it's like, are they trying, like trying to be loud? But then it's like, they're probably thinking the same thing about you. You're just hearing them. Cause that's what you're thinking about. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting for sure. I was so proud of my five year old. We'd hike up my hill or take the side by side and go cruise around to some national forest. And uh we called in a just a your average black hills of South Dakota white tail. We called one in by rattling up to thirty eight yards and he stopped and looked at us. We were hiding behind our decoy and and pawed at the ground and uh I almost forgot to draw. I was just enjoying it. <laughs> That's cool. Realized I probably should be drawing. And then it was too late. He just turned and left. Um, and, and maybe that was him whispering at the time too, at 38 yards. <laughs> he was yep. talking through it. But shortly after that, we, we moved to another spot and he, uh, the black Hills are pretty rocky in areas and he tripped on a trail and skinned his knee and, and he started crying, but he cried silently. I was so proud of him. (laughs) So proud. And it just made me think, Oh man, you are, you've got it. I got after you enough to know, even when you're in pain, it's not a scream, be loud, any kind of thing. He, he was like, crying quietly there could have been a deer 150 yards away that wouldn't have hurt us and i was so proud of him i thought it was the coolest thing he's like yes now if we can get you to to learn and and the next thing was working just some heel toe walking just nice and quiet uh so it made me proud that made me real proud um no that's all i can't wait to hunt with my boys i have a a two and a half year old and then a seven month old and already my two and a half year old is, is super into it. He has like a little nerf gun and he was shooting my, my elk shoulder mount last night. And just, he was like really fired up about it. Yeah. It's, it's going to be fun. That's great. And I, and I saw the post or whatever you had said when, when they were, when you brought your deer home and they were excited. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. He was pumped up. I, I set him up on the tailgate and uh, just, Whoa, like that's crazy. Yeah. Like he's, he's already into it. So it's, it's going to be fun, but um, yeah, it's going to change things for sure. And all for the better. I, I look forward to this day 
I figure I've got another five, six years of uh, really yeah. solid hunting for me. And then when they start holding tags, it's going to, it's going to be more about them. Um, and I'm totally like, that's totally fine. I'm sure I'll get out and do some hunts for myself too, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it a lot. Yeah. The, um, we got a hunt plan. Me and a buddy, we're bringing our kids <laughs> and for a, for a doe hunt here in mid December. That's, we both have double doe, white-tailed doe tags, and it'll be a seven-year-old and him, and then me with a five-year-old and a one-year-old. <laughs> last nice. year we last year we did it with a a, five, a four-year-old and a six-month-old, and that was a a fun little challenge. But uh, yeah, it's a we'll see how things go. It'll be a a, a fun, Road, fun, yeah. difficult challenge. But we've got some good blinds to sit in and and uh, nice. make it a little bit more doable but and yeah, and yeah. my five year old and i this year we shot our first archery deer together that was awesome shot a shot a doe together i was excited about that we've we've shot plenty of of does with a rifle together but this one was a an archery kill it just was something special i was i was pumped that's, that's cool I'm, I'm sure that adds a whole nother element i want to take my son next year and have him be with you know on an antelope or a yeah. deer or something um, but definitely thinking rifles. So archery is going to be a whole nother deal, uh, when we get to that point. Yeah, we got, we had, we were pretty lucky there. I had a, a good setup with a, um, blind on an alfalfa field that they were used to coming up to that blind and, and, uh, they hadn't been coming there every day, but I never, I don't know if I've gotten so excited on a doe hunt, <laughs> just a, a white tailed doe to shoot one. And, and it was, it was cool. It was very, very cool. Just had, had those does out there at, 80 to 75 yards and in the last five minutes they came up to 25 yards and it was it was pretty special pretty special moment um and and i know you're you're getting over some crud and i don't want to strain you and your your voice <laughs> anymore because it's it's a lot but um a couple more questions for you during that whole hunt you weren't calling like much at all mm -hmm that's all just ambush style hunt and sneak and getting in there close. That's what I was kind of thinking. Cause you hadn't mentioned that. And then, and then what's your, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I would locate like, you know, in the dark, especially I would try to locate if I wasn't hearing any bugles, if I heard a bugle, I wouldn't say a word at all. But if I wasn't hearing anything, I would, I would at least try and locate, um, you know, if I, if I can get one to respond to me, go hunt them. Um, but yeah, most days I had calls, had diaphragms in my mouth as I was hunting them constantly in case I needed it, but I never used them. Oh, very interesting. Um, and then what that bull score? Uh, he was three. I, I only scored him yet and I don't care too much about scores. So I probably won't have him officially scored. Right. But, uh, yeah. three fifty seven, three fifty eight. Dude. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, he, he was great. And honestly, I didn't, I didn't think that he was going to quite be over three fifty. He's my yeah. best bull on, uh, you know, I went up and I'm like, man, that bull's great. He's good everywhere. And then uh, I put a tape to his beam and it was 55. And I was like, okay. Oh like, my that's gosh. A, I was like, if, if the beams are, you know, they were like 54 and six or seven, you know, almost 55. It's like, okay, he's, he's bigger than what I think he is. Anything over 50. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's like, you know, my other, my other couple good bulls are, you know, 47, 48, 49, and it's like 55. Well, there's an extra, you know, 12 inches off of my second biggest bull. And yeah. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was pretty crazy. Yeah. I, I always only care about score for the sake of, I can't, I'm not there with my hands on it. And so mm -hmm. it's just a good judge the picture, like... pictures are tough too like you you look at some particularly uh probably my second biggest bull like the photos we had a really good photographer on that hunt and uh you know it's not like you're trying to trick the camera right like you're not trying yeah. to make him bigger than he is but it's just a really good photo and uh you know i had people looking at that photo be like man is that bull 380 it's like nice 340 but yeah he takes good pictures um okay so last thing i want to discuss with you is is just um some of those things or some of those features with onyx that you had used this last year that were huge in the making of of yep. or in the process of just your this fall what were some of those yeah yeah so two two of them i mean the the obvious ones right are the the generic ones like i killed my bull 50 yards into public land 
So had I not had that, like, and that's the basics of why everybody gets it right. But had I have not had that, I would not have had the confidence to shoot that bow where I did. Um, but the the more intricate, the new features, a couple of them that I use quite a bit this year, uh, 3D exaggeration. So you do right now, you do have to have service to use it, but for whatever reason out there, I, I have service in some spots. Um, so you can put your phone into 3D mode, but in areas that aren't like super mountainous, the 3D is just kind of like, meh, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not, look at it and it's like, well, that's not a good representation, but now we have 3D exaggeration to where you can, it's the slider bar and you can exaggerate that over as much or as little as you want. Um, and so what I've found in that particular country is like a third of the way up, maybe a little bit less on that slider bar, puts it at a pretty good representation of what it actually looks like. And it goes from like, well, yeah, it looks 3D, but it's not that exciting, not that helpful, to now you can really get in there and see, okay, like what is that drainage like if I were to hike up this drainage in the dark or whatever? Um, and, you know, again, a lot, a lot of this area I'm familiar with, but there's always, you can be familiar with an area and then you you're always going to wind up in somewhere that you're not right. Mm -hmm. Um, So the 3d exaggeration really, really was crucial in that country because it's not, we're not talking thousand foot elevation changes like the mountains sometimes or 3000 foot elevation changes. We're talking like 50 feet of like a a Creek bed that goes up over like a little knob and then back down the other side. So gradual smaller elevation changes that the 3d exaggeration really pulls that out and lets you like e-scout it and look at it from a different, different dimension, which is cool. Um, the other one that I use quite a bit this year is our new compass mode. So I don't know if you, have you played with that one much? Oh yeah. I use the range yeah, finder like yeah. crazy. Yeah. yeah. I, so and, yeah, I use it a lot. lot. Lots of different uses for it. Um, but I would, I was using it to pinpoint bugles and again, whether you're doing it in the dark or whatever, basically that new compass mode, you tap on your location and then it turns into the compass mode. And as you move that phone around for anybody who's not familiar with it, you, you have like a heading at the top, but then as your phone is pointed at something, it will change that direction on the map. And then you can also add a waypoint and put in an exact yardage. So if I'm like, if I hear a bugle and I'm like, man, that bugle's probably whatever, 500 yards. So then I can put in 500 yards and point my phone in the direction that that bugle is. And that waypoint is automatically in that direction, 500 yards out and I can drop it and I can be like, oh, well, there's a timber patch 50 yards closer. He probably was in there because it's midday. So then you bring it in 50 yards closer, drop a waypoint. It's just a, a really cool thing. Um, really cool way to precisely mark bugle locations, bedded elk, bedded anything. Like if I'm going to go on a, a stock on a bedded bull or antelope or anything, I'm going to make dang sure that i have a very precise waypoint on that animal if possible so i'll pull out my range finder range it say it's 762 yards and then i can type in 762 line it up find that exact spot that animal is and drop a waypoint that way when i get around to the back side i'm not like man was it this drainage or the next one and end up walking over top you know thinking it's the, the next drainage which i've definitely done before walk me through that that feature using the adding a waypoint in the compass mode is something I didn't mm-hmm. I, I didn't know I could do. Um so, yeah, yeah. so I'm in compass mode. Just to yep. So you're in compass mode. Let's see here. Compass mode, and then see at the bottom right now that rangefinder icon. Yep. Okay, tap that. And then you can use your finger to and move it up or down yep. along that line. So there you can you can go to the precise yardage, right? So you can go yardage or I think it it changes over at like a mile, but we're going to probably change that because range finders are in yards and then you get to miles and it's hard to sometimes compute that. Yeah. But you can move your finger up and down uh, to get that exact yardage and then tap on the way, oh. waypoint with the plus button and it'll drop it right there. I, so then you I, can edit it. You can do all sorts of stuff with it at that point. I didn't even put that together. That that was yep. a button to tap there that well it totally makes sense now that you could drop that. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. I love it when I yeah. new, new cool things like that. <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's a lot of cool cool new stuff. Um 
always, always innovating and adding. And, you know, at the end of the day, again, most of the time you're going to use it for is that bowl on private or public or am I on private or public or where can I access? But there's a lot of other cool additional uh, use cases and, and features now. I use the double tap distance tool um, a lot. Yep. And then I use the route builder a lot to get an exact yardage. Yep. That was really kind of cool to see on a hike and say, how hard of a hike is that? Is that rough? Mm-hmm. Is, how, you can how see the elevation profile. Yeah. And then instead of me kind of clicking through building a, a route, it's just like, boom, it's going to follow this trail. Boom. I, I can hit. Yep, and it follows that curve, and I know it's going to be an exact yard or mileage to to that point. Yep. So that was that was pretty handy. Um, yeah, yeah, and then uh, the I got kind of a cool new one that I liked using. Just, this is not a new feature by any means, but uh, we've always talked about colors, and now I've added in there um, all my green lime green waypoints are always a, a place where we shot something and then i love adding a, a photo to it so that photo is yep. in there where you can click in there it's like oh yeah that's from a uh yeah my yeah it just me and my dad with a with that's a awesome. with a nice uh little hills buck in there a couple years Heck, ago yeah. and then it won't get yeah, muddied I'll... over the years i'll remember where those things happened and just a it's your it's your journal it's a way of keeping things yeah Definitely. And I mean, you could throw notes in there of like, you know, I know some whitetail hunters, what temperature was it? Was it barometric pressure when I shot them? But you can add all that stuff to it too, if you want. But um, yeah, I use uh, that purplish color for, for my successful pins, just cause I don't use that for much of anything else. So yeah, that's my, like, it's, it's interesting. You talk to different people and they, it's the same tool, but you can use it so differently like all my my waypoints that are yellow are ones that I've either scouted or drove by, but I've never actually checked it out. It's like those are my potential areas. Um, it's just yeah, there's so many ways to go about your map, and uh, yeah, I, I mean I'll pull mine up right now. It's a, from the untrained eye, it's an absolute uh, cluster <laughs> as far as yeah. waypoints go, but uh, it makes sense to me. So it's it's always interesting seeing. Right. Uh, yeah, seeing different people's um, zoomed out screens because it's like obviously I'm not going to show you any of my spots, but yeah, you zoom up to the nation and you're like, holy cows, I've been a, yeah. a few places. Yeah, and it, and uh, I don't know if people know, but I you I think you showed me this last time, but um, turning those waypoints off or certain ones off that was such a handy feature. Yeah, when you're when you're needing to show somebody something or if you're ever using this for work or whatever i do is it for work all the time and so i just post it on a screen and i'm showing new hunters how to do stuff the heck if i'm going to zoom yep. in on an area and show <laughs> a uh yep. shed elk why are you always finding those elk sheds or the that elk what's that mean right in that area of <laughs> that's not gonna happen yep. but definitely um well any any other cool things coming down the the pike here that uh um that you're able to share with with onyx or yeah yeah so one really really cool thing that i'm super excited about we are so we we acquired top rut a draw odds um company last year so we are for elite members they get free draw odds automatically for application season uh we're in the middle of rebuilding that site and it's going to be so much more than just a list of draw odds now so um actually as soon as i get off this call i'm going to go in straight into meetings for the next couple of days on on that particular product um and we're going to launch that this year in january is is what we're shooting for it's going to be really cool it's going to be really helpful for getting tags um and just figuring out what you want to do to plan out your your year and then you know medium and then long-term goal strategies as well so I'm really excited for that. Um, it's going to be free for all elite members, not going to charge a dime extra um, to get in there. So if you're an elite member, you get get full access to this cool new product as well. Awesome. Well, good deal. I, I'll enjoy using those those features for sure. But yeah. well, I'll let you get yeah. going. You, I know you got a lot going on today and and uh, not feeling 100%. So 
thank you so much for for uh letting me use your voice for a little while and sharing a cool story congratulations again on the um the awesome success uh between you and your wife um you guys had shot some great deer and 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 uh um, i'm sure had some fun doing it so making some great yep. memories but yep i appreciate it again and and if you're and we don't need to plug anything. If you don't know what Onyx is, you're really living under a rock. <laughs> uh, but yeah. it's always, I, I've always telling people about it. And, and, uh, even over here in South Dakota, we're a little under a rock at some time. So, um, <laughs> there's, there's still some people not using it and, and, uh, a little old school over here. <laughs> so, um, yeah. constantly shared and people are, people are figuring it out that you gotta have it, you gotta have it. So, well, no, I, I really appreciate, uh, the conversation and having me on again and, um, hopefully it won't be the last time. Absolutely. Alrighty. Well, thanks Dylan. We'll, we'll see you next time. Take care. Thanks.